Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to The Shapes of Stories, a podcast with me, Lawrence Prestige, as your host. Stories come in all shapes and sizes, whether it be from our favourite books, our life experiences, or the day-to-day challenges and issues we face in the world today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shapes of Stories with me, Lawrence Prestige. And yeah, here we are with another episode and I uh, have a really interesting uh, guest for you today. Uh, my guest today is Warren Dudley. And um, Warren Dudley is a um, a really interesting writer because um, at the minute he's he's sort of exploring the world of books, but he's he, he's probably best known for his work on screenplays and movies. He is the writer of The Bromley Boys, which was a really successful film, and um, there's other films that you may have recognised that Warren has um, worked on um, very successfully, um, such as The Cage and um, I think Private Investigations as well and The Cutting Room. Um, so yeah, I really had a wonderful chat with Warren because it was just great sort of getting another aspect of um, a, a writer's journey and a, a different type of writing. So, you know, I've always been interested in potentially writing, you know, uh, a sitcom or a comedy or a a film of some kind, kind. So it was really interesting to get Warren's take on it from someone that's kind of been there and done it. And um, he talks about his journey into writing, how he how he got it done. He gives his advice. I mean, I don't know if you want to take advice from Warren because he does support Brighton. I'm not sure if that's the best of person's person's uh, opinion to go on, but you know, we'll let him off. Um, but yeah, it was a really great chat with Warren. Um, really looking forward to sharing you this um, episode that we did together. Um, so without further ado, for those of you who are interested in learning about more of Warren's writing career, uh, here it is, my wonderful chat with writer Warren Dudley. Warren Dudley, how are you? Yes, I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How, how's this uh, year been for you, I suppose? It's been a well, weird, weird course, time. It's been, it's been crazy, hasn't it? I mean, look... I, yeah. In the world of being a writer, it's not an enormous change, obviously, because I'm mainly scrawled away at home anyway. So uh, it hasn't been a huge change, but family-wise, it's already crazy. And, you know, just sort of watching the rest of the world on the news, and it's crazy. But, uh, you know, I'm still here tapping away. <laughs> yeah. I know you're a football fan. Brighton, we all make mistakes. It's fine. <laughs> and, and, and you support... Uh, Newcastle, so I can't read. Oh, you know, okay, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you did us over. Uh, yeah, so that was that's the only time we've uh, well, we've played, we've played well all season, but that's the the only result we've had really. Yeah, so, uh, how have you how have you found the the football over this um, sort of lockdown period? It's just if for me, it's it's uh, it's been a weird one because I, I I'm not as into it. I mean, it's easy not to be into it as a Newcastle fan as it is, but. <laughs> But there's just something about it that I'm just like, you know, for someone that's a keen watcher on the Sundays when it's on the TV channels and the live yeah. football, I just I just can't really get into it as much. I don't know if you can. No, well, I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm a season ticket holder at the Amex, have been for 30 years, so I'm not going, which is, you know, Brighton are playing Friday night at home and I'll be there. So it's uh, it's been, I think it, it was a novelty last season, wasn't it? I thought it all felt mm. quite kind of exciting and it's good to get it done last season, but yeah. always with the hope that this season... It'll be back to normal. Of course, that doesn't look like it's even close. And I, I admit, I'm the same as you. I'm getting a bit tired of it. Mm-hmm. You know, what with no crowds, VAR, 
football just seems to be sort of disappearing a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. If you know and what I mean, I, depressing. <laughs> yeah, and I, and, I, and I can't believe this decision Sky have got at the minute with their, what is it, the Sky box office for games. Oh, terrible. Um, it's, it, it, we refuse you know, to get involved in that. That's no, yeah, like, you know, it's the, the fact that you can be, like yourself, a season ticket holder, you yeah. can have Sky, you can have BT and still having to find <clears> yourself to pay yeah. for a game and yeah. 15 quid for a game. No, it's too much. If they made it four ninety nine from the off, it would have passed without any comment. But yeah. fifteen quid is uh, what look, I think the way I look at the football is that ninety nine percent of football fans, particularly Premier League fans that we now find ourselves as, is uh, are armchair fans. They don't go to football, so it hasn't mm. affected them in any way. Yeah, in no way at all. Whereas for me, as a football fan who goes every week, it has affected me. You know what I mean? So I think most like Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal fans hasn't affected them in the slightest, really. No. Because they watch it on telly anyway. Yeah. So, you know. But there we are. So I'm guessing it's going to be another whole season of this, by the looks of things. But... It looks like it, doesn't it? I mean, the only sort of interesting thing about it is it, it, it throws in, a, I guess, a few weird results, maybe. Like we saw Villa doing over Liverpool. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, amazing game. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get some hopefully weird more games like that because of the lack of fans and stuff. Yes. Uh, we might well, the only time I've thoroughly enjoyed the football this year is away at Newcastle. <laughs> so <laughs> apologies for that. <laughs> well, we're, not into, we're, we're turning <laughs> no, a corner, right. I like to do think, a little right. bit. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll be okay, I hope. Yeah. Um, but yes, anyway, how, how have you found, I guess, going sort of back to your, your writing career, yeah. how, have you, how, how, have we, how have you been finding the lockdown period to write new stuff, I suppose? Because has it been difficult in terms of almost having a bit too much time <laughs> to do it. Well, no, funnily enough, I've been quite sort of prolific, really. I've been really okay. at it over the last uh, eight or nine months. So, yeah, I've started kind of writing uh, books rather than screenplays, which is my thing previously I wrote yes. uh, for film and TV and stuff. Uh, so I've written a couple of books, would you believe, in uh, in the lockdown. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I started one in January before it all started, uh, a sort of thriller uh, with sort of horror bits and pieces in it. And uh, that's doing okay. And so that was finished two months ago. And in the meantime, I was writing a football comedy sort of spoof memoir that I've just finished. I'm getting the first proof copies in today. So, uh, yeah, I tend to do what I do with my writing. It's crazy. Throughout all the years I've been doing it, I tend to write something scary or weird then have a football palette cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> then stuck back to horror and back to football. So, yeah, so yeah. football has was it, the last one. Has it been a weird transition from sort of writing for film and, and television to, to books? Yes, it has. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it, actually. I think it's uh, with writing uh, for film. Particularly, I make, I've made a couple of my own smaller budget things and a couple of I've written for a, a big budget movie. But you're always thinking about uh, the producers. You're always thinking about what you can and can't write. So in a screenplay, I can't write, uh, she jumped on a plane and flew to Los Angeles. In a book, I can, which is a lovely, it's been a lovely freeing experience being that I can, you know, the, the, the reader is doing the, the uh, production value for me, if you know what I mean. In a, in a screenplay, you have to write to the budget you've got. So if you've got 50 grand to make a movie, you've really got to write cleverly. Whereas with a book, no, <laughs> I can go wherever yeah. you want. As many characters as you want, great. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because obviously I, I write books for children. Yes. And I, I got oh, right, okay. Yeah, and I, and I got approached by a um, a theatre company to do Panto this year. I've oh, never right. done it before, but like, so I wrote a script and gave yep. it to the Panto company. They're like, we love it, but when are you going to oh, format it right. properly? Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I was just go. like, I, I have no idea. No, well, do, like, do you know what? Funny, funny enough, I got I got a, a, uh, an email from 
So people came to see the Bromley Boys, which was a film that I wrote, and they liked it. And they run a theatre group for sort of 16 to 18 year olds and asked me if I'd write a play for them. And uh, I started and in the end we just agreed I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. I, you know, I didn't know what to do. So we, I, I was writing away and sending them stuff and they were sort of saying, it's okay, but could you, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? And I just said, look, I think I might be the wrong person. <laughs> because yeah. I didn't know how to do it. And that's similar with yourself with the, with formatting a panto. It's different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's completely different. It's a different thing. Like, I think when people think, you know, you're a writer and you've had some kind of, um, made sort of, some sort of name for yourself or had some successes, they think you can write sort of in, in any platform. And it, it is so it, different because yeah. you... Because it's just even uh, even writing from children's book to panto characters, although they're, you have to try and make them larger than life characters in both senses, it's just completely different from writing a, mm. a fiction and sort of telling the reader what the character's like Well, in exactly. A book. So what age group are you, are you yeah. watching for? Sorry? What age, age group? Yeah, yeah, seven to 11. Yeah. Oh, so, right, okay. Yeah, and for pantos, it's, you know, you, you're sort of trying to cater for the whole family, I suppose. The real yeah. little kids and the ones that are slightly older as well. So yeah, it was a it was really interesting to be like, oh wow, like obviously the pantos didn't happen anyway this year, but um, yeah, it was it was um, it was it was a difficult yes challenge for me. I found yeah, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. So so how did the your your big film that's you're sort of most known for the Bromley Boys like you mentioned yeah. there? I, I believe that was a book first, and then <clears throat> yes, yeah. yeah, book first, and then you. So how did the so how did it come about that you were going to write the screenplay from the book? Was it something that you were interested in or did you get approached? No, or... I got approached by, again, yeah. with, with, with everything in this business. It's just lucky coincidence, happy coincidence, isn't it? I was I made a, a TV pilot about 10 years ago uh, called New Haven Port, which was a non-league football mock documentary, you know, fresh from my love of the office and uh, that kind of thing, that very much yeah. that feel. And one of the guys I cast in it, it's called TJ, a lovely fella, actor, and a nice guy, and I didn't hear from him for, you know, years and years and years and then suddenly got an email from him saying uh was i've uh optioned this book called the bromley boys and th- thought about new haven port and thought well, wonder whether you fancy meeting up for a beer to talk about it so we met up for a beer and then yeah five or six years later there it was on in the cinemas so it's kind of that that's where it started was sort of a chance you know happened to hire this actor who turned into a tv produ- film producer you know who we met for a pint. That was it, really. That's how yeah. it kind of started. And then for it to go into to the cinema, um, it must have been a surreal oh, experience. It's been, so. honestly, a really fantastic experience. And, uh, yeah, I'll, the one I'll look back on, I think, when I've finished all this, is, is just amazing fun. It's football, for starters. It's kind of like a really gentle sort of love letter to football. It's, it's everything I'd ever want to do. And, uh, you know, we started, we've got Alan Davis is in it, Martin McCutcheon is in it. And uh, they were great. And, look, we had some amazing days and some you know the, the read-throughs in London where the, all the characters came the cast got together to read through just fantastic days and I remember thinking to myself don't forget this yeah. <laughs> this will be this could very well be as good as it ever gets so just enjoy <laughs> this and I did so uh, and it's still going okay we, we, we did a deal uh in Mongolia last week we sold it oh, to Mongolia hilarious that's... isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite funny so yeah, so it's still doing it's doing the rounds around the, around the world the Bromley Boys. So hopefully the next stop will be uh, British TV. That's what they're they're trying to do a deal for, for British TV at the moment. So that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, so, so yeah, as, as well, um, you sort of mentioned that you're writing a book. Is it a book now? You're writing sort of a football comedy. Yes, uh, Unwin yeah. Pew uh, from Hull to Camp New. It's called, and it's oh, okay. basically Unwin Pew is this. He's 95 now, and he's basically writing his memoir, and uh, so it starts. Yeah starts from his birth in 1925 
right through to present day. So it's just look, it's a it's a spoofy comedy memoir. It's, it's, oh, brilliant! It's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've always thought about writing sort of football fiction, but then you, you yes. kind of think, well, who who's the audience for that? Because I'm not sure many football fans like to pick up books. <laughs> well, I've got no idea who the audience for it from. Yeah, is. no idea. Yeah, but exactly. I sort of don't care. I've I've literally yeah. spent uh, uh, you know three months on it, and it's kept me amused during this this time. And, and uh, so, the Baby Blue, the one I wrote before, I had you know sort of big plans for that, and that's going okay. And but this one, I just think that it was fun to write, and if other people enjoy reading it, brilliant. But I've certainly yeah. got you know, no expectations of it doing incredibly well because, like you say, it's a it's a niche audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I mean, in terms of, like, you mentioned writing comedy and stuff, yeah. like, I suppose throughout your career, have you seen the boundaries change about what's acceptable <laughs> comedy-wise? Because everything's so PC now as well, like, the days of perhaps... <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned The Office as well. There's maybe... I love The Office, and, you know, and, and um, I wonder sometimes if there's stuff that... Ricky Gervais can get away with that others can't now. <laughs> now and it's like the little yeah. Britain guys go back and they pull that off Netflix and stuff like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Have you seen the sort of? Do you have to be a bit more careful with your sort of comedy aspects of writing? Yeah, I suppose I'm I'm fortunate in that the stuff I write is quite sort of gentle. It's not. I don't. You know. I don't write controversial stuff yeah. particularly. So it doesn't affect me particularly. I suppose. But but yes. And and what you of course have to always be aware of when writing, particularly for TV and film, is that it's diverse and that it's you know it encompasses everyone because you have to do that and that's right that you should but you know what you, it's a difficult one because you don't want to find yourself you know uh, it's difficult to put it into words without sounding awful but you, you know what i mean you have oh, to yeah, inclu- yeah. you have to include and that is great that you do but you also don't want to have to force that so it's an interesting process of you know bringing in diversity into a project without it seeming forced and that's a you know that's across the board that's tv that's you know film everywhere so so yes, in that in that way, but it, like I say, it doesn't affect me enormously because the way I write encompasses all that anyway, frankly. So, you know, I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. As, so, how did your uh, writing career start? I suppose how did it how did it sort of go um, from from starting to where it is now, where you've read, where you've, where you've um, written a feature film and working on books now? Uh, it started with just meeting a mate. I used to work in a printer's at the county council in Lewis and met a mate there, Rick, and he was a filmmaker, and we sort of like chatted about film ideas and stuff, and I said, oh, I'd love to have a go at writing. This was 20 years ago now, probably, 18, 20 years ago. And then it started, moved into just writing little bits of comedy and bits and pieces and and then longer scripts. It was never really a profession, and so the Bromley Boys kind of you know, paid me okay to become a jacked-in work. My wife wasn't really happy about that, that decision, but I didn't. <laughs> But I did do that, and it was a big risk, and it still is a big risk, and it's, you know, it's a it's a tough tough world to make any money in. But that the Bromley Boys is where it became professional. But prior to that, it had all been, uh, you know, short films, little sort of ten grand feature projects that I'd written and made, yeah. and uh, so it was kind of fun. But yeah, you know, now it's I just about scraped by. It's very very hard, but uh, it is tough, I, and, I, and yeah. I think some some people um, t- take that for credits, uh, take that. Um, the wrong way sometimes because yeah, quite often or not you get people that think it's very easy to sort of once you've got a name for yourself to sort yeah. of keep up with the writing and it's and, and you know I get approached by people saying well I've written this book or I've written this comedy yeah. um, 
well, I've got an idea. That tends to be actually, I've got an idea for a for a film or yeah, a, 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 yeah. a comedy or a book, and they kind of want you to guarantee that it's gonna something's gonna happen yeah. with it before they start mm. properly writing with it. And it's just like you, you, you wish it was that. that easy. You wish I, it was that easy, but it's, I'm, I'm sure it's you really get not. the same. With, I'm sure you get the same as me as well, which I'll, I'll often get people saying, "I've got a great idea for a film. You write it, and we'll split it 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you had the idea. Take I've got idea, to do. Yeah. I've got to do the eight months of writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that was funny. Know. Funny you mentioned that. Um, we had Philip Ardar on, who he's a children's writer, and he, okay. he, yeah, he mentioned that as well. Like he, cause he's obviously got a massive name for himself in the children's fiction industry, yes. and um, yeah, and he, he said that as well. He's, he's kind of had uh, lots of people try and approach him to say, um, yeah. I've got an idea. You write the book, and we'll split it. Mm. And it's just like, so yeah. So I'm going to be the guy that just goes through all that, the, yeah. the stress of writing <laughs> it, the the endless back and forth, and yes. yeah, we'll split split the royalties. So yeah, no, it doesn't. It does, sadly, it doesn't quite work like that. Just having a good idea, because no, I think thought... most people got a good idea in them, but it's what you do with yes. it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, then, yeah, once you've had the idea, just the work starts, and writing is mm. uh, is largely a boring, oh, you know, lonely process, isn't it? That you just mm. have to really work at. Because I'm sure you're all the same. Every day, I don't want to write. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. And then I procrastinate and I think, oh, do you know what I'll do? I'll do the ironing instead. Yeah. And I don't want to do the ironing, but I definitely don't want to write. And so you have to force yourself every day. And I heard something uh, a while ago, which I totally agreed with, was that uh, writers don't enjoy writing. They enjoy having written. And that is uh, so true. That lovely mm-hmm. feeling at the end of the uh, paragraph, the, uh, at the chapter you've just written. But leading up to it... Oh. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, yeah, but that sounds so lazy. That sounds like it's a lazy thing. But I guess, yeah, it's a in a normal work environment when you you turn up for work, you're sort of you go into an office and you work. Whereas when you're working from home, that that is such a you know, and you know you haven't got to start. Mm-hmm. So when you're a basically lazy person like me, <laughs> yeah, that becomes increasingly difficult. Yeah, and it's that risk as well, isn't it? Because you don't necessarily know that what you're sort of throwing yourself into work-wise is necessarily going to make oh, you money or anything as well because you, yeah. you could spend hours and you know, hours and hours months on this thing and yes. you, there's no guarantee that it's going to make you a penny you know you, no you, no on, yeah, have absolutely. No idea. Or, yeah. on the contrary it's almost a guarantee that it won't <laughs> yeah exactly in a mad way isn't it? that's the thing i mean yeah. I, I, I made a, mil, a movie called cage that i uh, wrote and directed and we kind of made it all little gang of us all made it uh and that's done nothing for three or four years really it's been putting about on on amazon prime and bits and pieces and it's just been picked up by a, an american tv sort of streaming network and that's made me some money amazingly four years later so that was a that was a very exciting email because that sort of paid for me yeah. for another three months of not working for, <laughs> doing a proper <laughs> job <laughs> yeah that's it especially especially now isn't it it's uh it's uh I mean, like I say, it's not too bad for for writing because you can sort of be in your in your space and, yes. and write. But it's, I think it's, it's trying to sort of plan for anything long term, like what where you're going to pitch these ideas. Yeah. It's, it's impossible at the minute because at the beginning of the year, March, when this was all sort of kicking off, you kind of think, oh well, it, we'll have the summer and it'll, it'll be fine sort of by September time. But now we're yeah. approaching where it's just sort of to peak again, and yeah, it's just impossible to kind of predict what's going to happen next with it. Yeah. Can we pause there, guys? One sec. Giles? Yeah, sure. I've got, got a nipple. Someone banging on my door. Hang on. <laughs> okay, no worries. No problem. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thanks. Cheers.
Sorry, chaps. That's all right. That was a, that was the the postman with some padded envelopes for me that I need to send need to send out uh, proof copies of my book. So it's still oh. related. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll start. Again. Okay, cool. Um, so, I mean, in terms of your writing process, do you have like a routine or um, anything? Like uh, that? Do you... I try to write in the mornings if I can, sort of mid morning for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. and then. I sort of find often that I'm that's just it. I have these great plans of writing for six, seven hours a day, but I just I run out after two yeah. hours. It just goes. Yeah, you don't want so, to burn out as well, do you? Sometimes when I'm writing, I feel like I'm trying to write for a certain amount of time, and it's like you know what, it's going good right now. I'm sort of yeah. getting a bit burnt out. I think it's just best to stop and come back yeah. to this tomorrow. And uh, yeah, it's important not to. I, I find not important not to just really say I'm going to do five hours of writing no matter what today and yeah no it's a terrible it. idea yeah, because yeah. you always have this you know i have this thing that i can write a a chapter in like two hours and then i sort of think about it well if i write three chapters a day i could write a book in a month <laughs> done and but of course it doesn't work out like that and it's just no. uh you know it just gets worse and worse the further through the day i go the quality of it just you know, some would argue starts badly just tails off <laughs> yeah yeah, well, even sort of about the football, I was like, oh, so wait, no, it's locked down. You know, I can kind of do my writing and watch the football at the same time, and that's just that just <laughs> happened. It's just like you know, I could just kind of have it on in the background and do a bit of right, but no, that just yeah. didn't work. <laughs> no, impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how do you expect Brighton to do this year, anyway? Uh, it's going to be a struggle, I think, but it's uh, it always is. That's the thing in the Premier League, isn't it? With when you when you support a team like Brighton, Newcastle, you're just always trying mm-hmm. to not get relegated, but at some point. You're going to get relegated. That's just the nature of it, isn't it? At some point, you're going to have that bad season. Yeah, but, it's, always, uh, it's always it's always kind of look at like as a Newcastle fan. I'm like, right, is there three teams worse than us? And I think oh, there yeah. is. <laughs> so yeah. I think we'll be all right. But yeah, it, it's um, it's uh, mm. a, it's going to be a weird season. I think. I think. It you is, know, yeah. I think. Um, oddly, my 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 utter hatred of VAR. Mm. That that gives that a bit of a silver lining. It genuinely does. I think if Brighton went down. And then we're back at the Amex watching football next year. You know, the reason you go to football, I could talk about this for hours, Lawrence, is yeah, that go <laughs> you go for that moment, that goal. And being a Brighton fan or a Newcastle fan, those big moments don't come along all the time. That's been taken away now. That mm-hmm. celebration of a goal has gone. Yeah. Because you have to wait. And so what's the point? Whereas when yeah. I, I watch championship matches sometimes on TV in the evening and they score and it's just a goal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it always has been, and I think it was I'm it jealous. Was, yeah, it, it it was kind of meant to come in for clear and obvious stuff mm. that the referee misses, and it's just unforgivable that they've missed it. Well, I don't, I don't uh, know if you saw I don't know if you saw the Brighton one against Spurs the other day. Did you see that the, the VAR decision there? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the Solly March clearly a foul by Solly yeah. March. It couldn't have been more clear. No, and yeah, he didn't was... didn't give it. No, yeah. I was, was, watching, um... I was watching it thinking, well, that's not a goal, is it? That's that's another yeah. one ticked off. Yeah, no, that's... we get that one. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like the the, fra- the fractions in it, like when you get an off when they're checking for offside and no yes. players have appealed the offside, and no. it's like their toes offside, and it, you know, and when you're yeah. the opposition player and you still the goal's gone away, you're almost like, oh wow, great, <laughs> like yeah. like no one was a pe- no one saw that at all apart from well, we think there might have been a you know a, yeah. an elbow or something offside or a finger or whatever it's you know it's yeah. ridiculous how I've always just... quite, I've always quite like the idea of uh, it being a bit more like cricket whereby. Uh, your captain gets three appeals, so if a goal's if a goal scored, he gets to you know, yeah, yeah, 
for the for ask for a, ask for an appeal, but for a specific thing, so that he can the, the captain could say, okay, it's a goal, but we think their number eleven was offside. Can you check it? Mm-hmm. And they check it, and he wasn't done. Keep your yeah. review. But if yeah. it's a frivolous one, you lose it. But I just think uh, that I'll be scrapping it all day long. But yeah. uh, just because it's taken away that that moment of a goal being celebrated is yeah, gone. Yeah, you almost like you don't want to look stupid if you're that's a fan. That's, that's the reason I go to football you. is for Brighton scoring that big goal, and it's mm. gone. And you just think that's no fun, is it? Yeah, but yeah, uh, it's, no, it's awful. I mean, as a Brighton and Newcastle, a Brighton and a Newcastle yeah. fan. How, how did you feel about um, Chris Shooting? Did you feel like he was treated a bit harsh towards the end, or do you think it was time to go? Because I always, I always felt with Newcastle, he he got us promoted, he did the job, and then we, yeah, we were sort of mid-table team fluttering yep. around. We weren't in relegation problems with Hewton when we got promoted to the Prem, uh, but then we just got rid of him. And you know, and I always feel with Chris Shooting, he's um, he's a really good manager, I think, yep. and a really really refreshing person in terms of bringing in young younger players yep. and sort of backing them. Uh, but you know he'd been a, he had a good stint at Brighton longer than he did at Newcastle. But do you feel it got to a point where look the general feeling amongst Brighton fans is just utter love for Chris Hewton. What he did mm-hmm. for us was just amazing. Uh, you know he got us that the first season we came uh, third in the championship. We missed out by a goal, one goal against Middlesbrough, and we we came we lost in the playoffs. The next season we came second to you, I think. Yeah, it was us, yeah. the last game came, of the season. Some, wasn't it? Somehow yeah. we didn't. Yeah, we had, we went yeah. three games to go. We needed one point to win yeah, it and didn't. Something like that, yeah. And uh, but to to go again and get us promoted was incredible, and then to keep us up. But they just got to a feeling where it was just it was so defensive and so negative. But mm-hmm. you know, and obviously what they've tried to do is bring in this new new fella who's got a much more expansive ideas of how how it all should happen. But it's still hard to win games, isn't it? Yeah. Particularly trying try to play something, uh, a completely new way of playing, is very hard. And we've sort of done it. We've brought in some players. This uh, kid Lamptey, we've got a right back, tore Newcastle apart, didn't he? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he did. Can handle him, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, so I think he'll be off. That's again, we've got this sad thing where we've got this. We've got him, Lamptey. We've got Ben White, that is a, it's good. We've got Stephen Alzate. All these young kids who I think will be destined for better things, who I may never see. Mm-hmm. I'll probably never see Lamptey live yeah. because he'll be he'll be off at the end of the season, yeah. and uh, and we'll never see him. Strange, that, isn't it? So yeah. one of our, potentially our best ever players, I'll never get to see him play live. But uh, hey, <laughs> yeah, hope, hope, hopefully we're the, the fact. You know, I like to think even if it's in the towards the end of this season they can get some hope. season ticket fans in there just you know don't worry yeah. too much about away fans but you know yeah. if you've got the stadiums where you can spread out season ticket holders enough yeah. hopefully you'd like well, to Bright- think that's Brighton something did, they can Brighton do Brighton did a test run didn't they against Chelsea before, at the start yeah. of the season and I think there were 3,000 in but yeah. even that it makes for an atmosphere 3,000 a little one yeah. but it's still enough people to make it feel like a, a football match so yeah hopefully yeah. it'll get sorted out but uh, when it does I'll be there yeah brilliant <laughs> Um, so, is there what? So, you're working on the two new you book, books yes, in a minute. Is there yes. anything else that you're kind of working on and want us to look out for? Uh, look, I'm just kind of I've got to the end of the, the of the comedy football book, so I should be pushing that out. Uh, uh, and also, Baby Blue, which is the, the the sort of thriller one I did before. But now I'm kind of at this weird stage, which, which is uh, I always quite enjoy this stage where I finished, and now I've got you know I don't know what I'm going to do next. I've got a couple of uh, screenplay ideas, but I like to sort of complete projects. I quite like to have an, have ideas that I can start and then finish with a movie on Amazon Prime in 
18 months rather than writing screenplays sending them out and then never hearing back and it seems like a waste of time to me I'd rather make something that I can make for you know a few thousand quid and at least yeah. it gets done <clears throat> so I've got a couple of ideas but we shall see I don't know yet I don't think I've yeah. got a really yes yeah, so a screenplay idea that's incredibly depressing and another horror idea nothing comedy because yeah. like I say I tend to go from I've written a comedy now I'm in Pew it definitely won't be another comedy I'm comedied out now for a little bit <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But it's good that you, you've got different genres that you can work on because I guess sometimes you kind of you'd have to think, oh, I've got another bloody comedy to write. You can sort of uh, yeah. think of you know you've got the horror and and things like that that you can work on. Yeah. So it must be that's, good. That's, that's mainly due to not being very successful. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure. No, no, I'm sure that... no, do you know what I mean? That's, that's mainly due to the fact that I get to do my own thing. I'm not, you know, I think it's the, the interesting thing with what we do is the more successful you become, the less fun it definitely becomes. Mm-hmm. Because you're at the mercy of producers, editors, money, yeah. you know. Whereas I much prefer scraping by like we do, but having fun with stuff. I'd always choose that over, over, yeah. uh, over working. You know, imagine being a, a staff writer on EastEnders. I just can't, just can't think of anything worse. I genuinely can't. Yeah, it'd be a proper job. It'd be paid. It'd be, you know, monthly money coming in. But I really, really wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, having you know, to. I'd much rather be doing my own nonsense. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's like even the children's children's industry. Like, yes. it, 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 it's nice to, I suppose, think, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind trying that one day. But then when you've got a sort of name or platform for yourself where it's like, no, you need to write children's fiction. You, you know, yes. you don't want to yeah. kind of feel like you're stuck doing that one one thing. Yeah. So, no, I can appreciate what you're saying. But, yeah, no, I, I, I would not like to be a writer on EastEnders, that's for sure. Because, uh, you know, not only is it <laughs> there's the same sort of stuff every day, you don't really, yeah. I guess no one knows about your work at all, you know, or what you're That's producing. the thing, isn't it? That's yeah, the yeah. thing. You know, I worked in, uh, I made a, a pilot uh, years ago called uh, Slightly Better Homes, which was a, a spoof of location, location, location. And just for fun, we just literally made it in a couple of houses over one weekend and sent it into Ricochet TV, who are based in Brighton, near me. And they make Super Nanny and all that sort of stuff. And they loved it, loved it, and gave me a job there in TV development. So I hated it. I worked, did it for about six months, and it's the best paid I've ever been. But I just thought, this is awful. (laughs) Turn up into this world of media idiots. And uh, it was awful. So you're basically working on, you know, things like It's Me or the Dog, or, uh, you know, Weight Loss Wedding. (laughs) <laughs> and these things, I think this isn't this isn't what I've got into this to do. <laughs> yeah, it's no. terrible. I'd much rather be working at Printers, which is what I've done. My you know in my other life, I sort of do a bit of web design if I have to, and worked at a Printers for years. And I I prefer that. I prefer to work at a Printers and have my own projects going on outside yeah. than working in TV. I genuinely preferred it. Yeah, because when, well, once you've really got over that, once you've got over that kudos of of your friends knowing you work in TV. Which mm. lasts about twenty minutes on Facebook. <laughs> Seriously, once that's gone, no, yeah, no, I get there's it. nothing. It's just a horrible mm. job. So, Ooh. yeah, so I've always f- found myself falling back into just doing what I want to do, and you know, not having tons of money. And that's the kind of way I live my life, and I enjoy it. It's great fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, just sort of finish off. Like, what's the uh, the over your career of writing? What is the biggest sort of takeaway or advice you could give to another writer do you think that's perhaps thinking of, of getting into wanting to write a book or a screenplay but thinks oh I mean, i'm not too sure where to start or anything like that well i would there's two answers there i guess in there with the, the film stuff 
it's not simple to say, isn't it? Particularly now that that the, the, the kit is so accessible that you can make beautiful looking things now for next to no money. You know, mm-hmm. make, just get out and make stuff, write stuff and make it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just a, you know, a conversation between two people, just make it and then you'll have something. You'll learn more from that. I think, look, I'm, I'm speaking from someone who didn't go to film school and didn't do all that, but I've learned it all just getting out and making it, you know, and that's what I would suggest. And you can make feature films now for not much money. And so that that just gives it an extra bit of kudos. I made a film called The Cutting Room, which is like a found footage horror thing, for like eight grand. You know, borrowed some money from here and there, and, and we did it, and it was okay. It was it was in Tesco's. You know, we had, we had it on, it was in, you know, supermarkets. Yeah. Oh, so it can be done. Brilliant. With, with regards to writing, look, I'm new to this. I'm new to writing books, but, you know, and I'm just doing it as an indie. I'm not, I've not got a publisher. I'm doing it myself. Uh, so that's where my advice would come from, is that it absolutely can be done. Amazon, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Amazon, although are the great enemy to all of us, they are also, they do pro- provide an incredible service for an indie author. And because I've come from a design background as well, I... Uh, I can make things, you know, that's again, because I love to create whole projects. I, you know, I wrote Baby Blue, I did all the design for it, I did all the, the, I made the trailers for it, I did the whole thing. And it all looks incredibly pro and incredibly slick, but I've done it all myself. So, you know, again, it's hard for me to give advice on writing particularly because I've never gone the I've never had a publisher. I've never done that yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, but again, I would just suggest just do it. What's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of it is just writing, isn't it? Just, just, it is, yeah. just, you've got an idea, write it, write it yeah. down. And, and don't um, get too, don't get too stressed about reviews. That's the other the, thing. Is oh that, yeah. You know, because I've been through that with film and the world of books is so much more lovely and friendly than the world of film. The world, particularly horror film is awful really is horror it's a horrible vile you know sort of bile filled world of people being nasty whereas i found the literary world is much more friendly pleasant place to live <laughs> mm-hmm. which has been great brilliant so, warren it's been great talking to you today oh, mate, thank you so uh, much i really I appreciate hope, it i hope brighton managed to stay up i'm sure they will well we will <laughs> see won't we <laughs> yeah. cheers Excellent. thanks a lot thanks, bye-bye So there you have it, a wonderful chat there with um, Warren Dudley. Um, really great to get his um, his story, really, his story into how he's uh, got into writing and um, in terms of his films and, and now the books that he's working on. Um, so, yeah, really great to listen to him and, and get his advice. I know he's a Brighton fan, but we won't hold that against him, OK? Um, so be sure to check out uh, Warren Dudley on social media. And be sure to follow us um, on the Shapes of Story Twitter page, at Shapes of Stories. Uh, follow me on Prestige Books on Instagram. And follow me on Facebook under Lawrence Prestige. Thanks, guys. See you next time.